uh, hopefully positively. <laughs> well, sure, well, sure, well, in, in that direction. So sometimes this is what, when we talk about a comfort zone, what do, what do most people think about comfort zone? I, I don't know what most people think, but I think uh, my bed and my bedroom, mm-hmm. which I... Uh, frequently am working to get out of. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that most people think that a comfort zone is a place where people go to uh, de-stress, detox, debrief. It's a quiet little place for them. However, many people have created a comfort zone of their own making, which is either drugs or alcohol mm. or anxiety or depression. And what we help people understand that they are like a balloon with an infinite capacity for expansion. And we intentionally try to get people to become restless, irritable, and discontent enough to push the balloon up against those boundaries because change doesn't take place inside that comfort zone list, does it? I don't think so. It takes place outside. Mm-hmm. Thinking outside the box, as uh, pushing the envelope. So I particularly enjoy your lyrics in that you're asking people to get uncomfortable in the place where they're at enough to recognize that they're not the end-all and be-all of existence and that the real purpose is to really and truly to help others. Yeah, I, I don't know if I look at it so much as pushing people out of their comfort zone as much as I look at it as inspiring hope. So a feeling of safety outside of that comfort zone, I think. So it's not even necessarily irritability or discomfort, maybe restlessness, but hope is is the the centerpiece of the message I'm, I'm trying to give. So if you're, I'm thinking of agoraphobia and things like that, and that's stuff that my family deals with as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're afraid to go outside, I can tell you, no, there's great stuff outside. You should go outside. It's fantastic. You should go to Hambones. <laughs> Hambones is a great venue. I love going there and I've made so many friends and they're very nice. And honestly, most people you encounter are going to be nice and there's going to be that every once in a while person who sucks and is just mean, but that's them. That's on them. That's not you. Go out and experience the world because hope. I don't think I so much look at it as go out and experience the world because restless or discomfort. Um, but going out could be the part you're not comfortable with. But then it's about building the comfort in it. Mm-hmm. Well, At least that's how it worked for me. Well, sure, well, sure. Well, what we do here is we help people understand that they are, they are, they have an infinite capacity for expansion. What we try to do is help people develop that little bit of edginess in their life in order to explode through it. Just like uh, we, rather than rather than avoid rabbit holes, we encourage people to go down them. We talk quite frequently about Alice in Wonderland and the, the, the Mad Hatter and Alice and the different changes that she went through because she had the courage to try. I also feel like that's something that came really naturally to me, though. Like, we were, I was in Lawrenceville with uh, my buddy Vincent, and... I saw this staircase going up the side of a building and I'm like, look, that staircase, that gate isn't closed. We should walk up to the roof of that building. And he's like, no, that's clearly trespassing. We can't do that. But if he had not been there, I'd have went up those stairs lickety split because that's just who I am. So I I love that kind of stuff. Uh, But for other people who are naturally not into that kind of thing or uh, turned away from those sorts of things. I can see that discomfort being there. 
but I also kind of thrive in, in chaos and um, uncertainty. I'm not 100% sure why. Well, Steve Jobs, uh, in one of his quotes, said that uh, some people are comfortable being in the Navy or others more comfortable being a pirate. And I kind of think that you're on the ship of the, you're on the pirate ship. I don't know. Because I'm also like probably in some ways like, I don't know, too law abiding or something. I'm, I'm super lawful good paladin. Like that is my D&D guys, lawful good paladin, believe it or not. Believe it or not. But then there are some things like, you know, weed's illegal. And so I don't even calculate that because it's the most ridiculous law ever. So if you if you don't count the things that I think are uh, morally reprehensible laws like that, then <laughs> I'm super law abiding. <laughs> We're trying to help people understand that they don't want to go through their life and near the end to have many regrets. Uh, we would like to help people participate in their lives and fully impacted and participate, and not only fully impact that, but impact others. So quite often, Liz, we challenge people to find out what's really important to them, what's really important in their lives, to think that if everything were taken away from them, their health, whatever money they had, a home, who'd be standing with them at the end? Who would be with you? Who wouldn't leave you? Who do you trust enough in your life that if they said, fall, Liz, and I will catch you, you'd fall without hesitation? Do you have people like that in your life? My dad. Your dad. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> those are the type of relations that we want to add to and reinforce. We want to be able to, we want to make ourselves that type of friend that people can trust. We want to make ourselves friendable. So when we talk about interpersonal relations, the, the relationship that we often miss out is that relationship with ourselves. Like in terms of, do you trust yourself? to find out exactly who you are, to inventory your strengths, talents, and abilities, and move forward from positions of strength rather than positions of vulnerability. No one, I could, I could sit and talk to someone about their character defects and weaknesses for six months, and I would guarantee you that things <laughs> will get worse. <laughs> guarantee you. So just like everyone else in the world, you have different types of gifts, talents, and abilities, different sizes, shapes, and colors. And it's not through begging, screaming, crying, yelling, threatening we get those on, it's through encouragement and support. Mm. Well, encouragement was a big reason why I'm playing music now, because uh, my guitar teacher's daughter informed me that he began learning guitar when he was an adult, and that's why I abandoned the idea. Um, he's one of my best friends. His name's John Yoakum, and he taught me how to play, and he said, I better be good so that I didn't make <laughs> him look bad. Uh, and so then, he challenged you. Oh, of course. Uh, his best friend, another one of my best friends, Bob Jensen, he is the owner of Basement Transmissions in my hometown, Erie, Pennsylvania. He played my first gig with me. Mm. He also helped me write that song that I was so concerned that every word, you know, <laughs> had an impact. Um, Would that have been Blue on Blue? Yeah, that is. It's Blue on Blue Action. That was actually the name of the uh, band that Bobby and I had because uh, we both had blue hair. <laughs> he's like i want to call something blue on blue action and then i didn't know what to name the song but we needed a name for it because we performed it at a big celebration of excellence at edinburgh university it was sort of like that, uh, a keynote I, I saw that speech video. yeah so i was terrified and then i had to sit at the front table after it happened and i felt really bad about it i thought it went really really badly and then i had to sit in front of 500 people mm. at at the, what's it called? The da, da, dais? 
the big table that's in front of a crowd looking at the 500 people who I thought I just bombed in front of. And then I had to eat in front of them. <laughs> it was it was a nightmare. But we watched the video later. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. Oh, my God. But I'm not singing. My voice has changed dramatically. And so has who I am as a person. And I think that's reflected in my vocals, which is interesting. So one of our uh, frequent contributors here, one of the people that we quote is a man by the name of Georgia Dare. And what he says is that everything that a person wants, all happiness is on the other side of fear. Hmm. We, uh, we work on dealing with fear quite often here. So... And for me, getting up in front of the stage and doing what you do, uh, that, that would involve some trepidation. So tell us about tell us about your beginning your career and getting out there. Oh, I love this because this is another example of, um, look, I did this thing. That means anyone can do it. <laughs> um, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. The first time I was on a live camera, I was in, I think, sixth grade. And it had been, uh, I got this job with the, uh, it's called SWEP. It was some sort of no drugs, we get good grades program at my school. And it was reading this thing to tell kids not to do drugs. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to memorize it and I'm going to read. It's going to be great. And for some reason, when that red light went on, I just froze like a deer in headlights. And I can't, even now I look back and I think that was 100% a physical reaction that I had no control over whatsoever. Mm. I tried two or three times and then, you know, each time it went badly. So I wrote it off. I gave it to a friend and I was like, oh, well, this is just the thing that's not for me. And now I have a live show that's live video every week. I love it. It's one of the things that I feel best about in my life right now. Um, that how broadcast. did that happen, Liz? How did that happen? A lot of work. The, the desire to do it and to do it no matter what and to put forth that effort and make it happen. So I went from waking up in the morning the day I have a show and burying my head in the pillow and thinking, why am I doing this public humiliation? This is the worst thing I've ever decided to do. What is wrong with me? What was wrong with me is that I wanted to be a musician. That's what I wanted. So I made that happen despite the, I want to call it a fact, but I don't know for sure. I don't feel like I have natural musical in inclination or natural musical talent. I didn't pick that guitar up and know what to do with it. I needed help. I needed lessons and stuff. I needed my friends to help me. Now I have a better idea since I've developed a relationship with that instrument. But I had a lot of terrible misconceptions about what art was and what you needed to to do to be an artist and I feel like they were all wrong <laughs> you don't you don't need to draw a perfectly realistic portrait of your face in order to be an artist that draws you can draw stick figures and write horribly dark comedy like cyanide and happiness i love that comic strip and boom you're a gene those guys are geniuses they are geniuses they draw stick figures my hope is that everyone <laughs> out there can feel that energy and passion in your voice freaking out I, I can i can feel it right from here and the, the, the way that you're the expression on your face and your voice <laughs> that we've tapped into your passion oh yeah i get i get worked up about lots of stuff <laughs> so what we help uh, also lists is when things 
go right. Uh, when things go wrong, generally they go back through each chain of the event to find out, well, what people place in a situation and the event caused this negative outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, when, P, when things do go correctly, when things go right and there's a positive outcome, people rarely go back and look at the people, places, things, situations that caused that positive outcome to occur. Mm-hmm. You generally don't get called into your boss's office and said, you did such a good job. Let's examine how exactly this turned out so well. Or you generally don't get called into the principal's office <laughs> to say, commend you and say, could you teach a class on how you do this so well? No, that doesn't happen. And so when we compliment people, and you do that well, and I love that passion. So what I'm hearing, though, it's the action and effort that you put into it. Oh, yeah. I feel really strongly about that. But it was it was wishes and hopes too. Those things come together. We need intentions, mm-hmm. intentions. However, if they die, if they wither on the vine, if they're not fed into a good environment, then that's all they do. Yes. So sometimes what we do is we use a little analogy we use this kind of uh, story that there was a person that prayed to win a lottery every day <laughs> sweat blood okay nothing ever happened they got so angry that they went out to this guy one day and they yelled up at this guy and they said god why won't you let me win the lottery and god called back down and said could you meet me halfway and at least buy a ticket <laughs> so, <laughs> so so what so what i'm hearing Liz, is you not only wished and hoped it happened you bought the ticket yes uh, I hate the lottery, though. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, I, have a, I have a related story that I would love sure. to tell you. Um, I have I have the notion in my head for the first time enter- entertaining the idea of not being poor. So I've just sort of accepted, oh, I'm going to be poor forever. And, you know, maybe someday I'll be able to live in a trailer or something. Um, but I'm scrapping that. And I've decided that I'm going to sort of, in a way, there's the, the idea of manifesting the reality you want, but you also have to work for it. So I had this really fun interaction with my dad. I was talking to him about houses and buying a house and property values. And I am the type of person who shoots for the stars And then I have people around me like Travis, and this is his quote, who say, yeah, shoot for the stars and hit the ceiling. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. (laughs) So in my opinion, when you work toward a goal, every step that you get toward that goal is a success. So play in a venue, goal achieved. You know, play a bunch of shows, goal achieved. You know, each each rung of the ladder works as a success toward that goal. If you don't necessarily achieve the goal of 1 million people at your show, let's say 25,000 because that's the capacity of Madison Square Garden, that's okay. You have still succeeded. You still played that show. You still played multiple shows. You still did that tour. Maybe you didn't get all the way to Madison Square Garden, but that was the trajectory you set toward and you got all these things along the way. So what you're talking about is building on achievable goals. Yes, but I aim for the stars. I hope so. Which I hope is so. You like, can't you can't explore the ocean unless you leave the harbor. Yeah, but I feel like the goals I set aren't reasonable. That's for you to decide. Uh, which I'm okay with because the, there are goals that lead up to that big goal that are reasonable. I haven't quite figured out how exactly to explain this to people yet but i with with the house i've looked into a bunch of property values i love new york city i plan on moving out to new york city at some point in the next couple years and i thought okay well 
you know, the way people frame it is it's too expensive. You'll never succeed. You're going to be drowned out and da da da. And I'm like, no, there's jobs there. Screw you guys. I'm glad you don't want to go because that decreases the property value for me <laughs> when I go. So I looked into, okay, how much would it be to buy a house in like, let's say Brooklyn or Queens? Doesn't even have to be Manhattan. It's about a million dollars. Okay, so what do I need to do? to manifest a million dollars. What work do I need to put in to make a million dollars happen? And I sat down with my landlord. He's amazing. He's uh, owner of the Pittsburgh Art House, Dylan Aarons. Shout out. I love that man. He's very helpful with us. And I said, okay, he's like, well, you're going to need like $100,000 down. Uh, Mortgage is going to be a few thousand. You're probably going to need to make, I I can't remember exactly what the income was, but it was definitely between 100 and 500K a year. Okay, so what do I need to do to make that the reality? So a lot of people might be listening to this thinking that this whole process is outlandish. Well, I sat down with my dad and I'm showing him these uh, houses that I found on Trulia in in Brooklyn and Queens. And he kind of laughs a little bit and he says, all right, well, when you win the lottery. And I said, no, you don't understand what I'm doing here. What I'm doing is figuring out what work I need to put in to make this a reality, not, oh, this is a dream. No, no, no. What kind of job do I need? What kind of, what kind of work is going to make this kind of money? How do I get this house? Is it a house? Is this what I want? I'm not totally sure. We'll figure it out, but I want the the high numbers. I'll aim for that. And then if I end up with like a $300,000 house in Pittsburgh, where I love, I have a great community and family here, then that is also fine. I've still achieved my goal. Um, so I just thought that was funny and related to the lottery thing where he's like, oh, well maybe someday if luck, no, 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 no. What work do I put in to make this happen? It's a, I I feel like it's a very conservative American dream kind of, kind of perspective. And there, and there's the rub when we talk about a goal or an ambition, few people want to take the time to draw the rest of the pyramid down to its base and list each step that it takes to get up to that goal. We're generally people, we live in a microwave world, Liz, uh, where people where people want to have microwave popcorn. They want to have drive-through uh, pharmacies, drive-through pizza places, drive-through dry cleaning stores. We, we're always looking for instant gratification when really and truly slow cooking is makes the tastiest food, does it not? That I am, I'm not the drive-through person. Mm-hmm. I spend too much time making food. Honestly, I've been trying to think of how to cut that down. Uh, <laughs> but I always try to figure out if there's something I can do for myself. And the only time that I put it off to other people is when uh, I, I legitimately cannot make the time to do it. So there are pieces of clothing I want to sew for myself. But I definitely plan on going shopping after this because there are establishments in the South Hills that I like to shop at. So I'm going to go there and buy clothes instead of making them. Why? Because my time has dwindled for clothes making as much as I really love to do it. But my time is really interacting with my guitar, doing promotion work and uh, working on that broadcast. We'll have more with Liz Victory next week. But in the meantime, follow her at ListVictory.com. List Victory on Instagram and Twitter, and List Victory Music on Facebook. And be sure to catch that broadcast every Thursday at RiversEdgePGH.com.
please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.